Today, I speak to Dr. Shaparno Mitra, a PGY2 in psychiatry in New York City, about his personal experience of immigrating to the United States to start residency training. Dr. Mitra and I talk about what programs can do to better support international medical graduates as they transition to work in the United States. Welcome, Dr. Shaparno Mitra. Um, you are a PGY2 at Bronx Care Healthcare. Um, thank you so much for talking to me. Uh, I know we discussed a little bit earlier this things that we're going to be sort of like touching base on, particularly as it comes to diversity and inclusion um, and within the realm of our training and also specifically as it pertains to trainees who are international medical graduates or IMGs. Um, so could you just tell me a little bit more about your experience with that topic and what you'd like to contribute? Thank you, Ruj. Uh, yeah, so I'm Shaporno. As uh, you mentioned, I'm an international medical graduate from India. Uh, I graduated in 2012 mm-hmm. from the um, uh, from the Armed Forces Medical College back in India, and I was working there for almost six or seven years. But uh, as that happens in most South Asian countries, uh, the practice of psychiatry is not really that uh, clinical, and there's a lot of uh, stigma surrounding it. Mm-hmm. So to achieve my training and uh, gain a greater competence in the field. I decided to pursue my residency and decided to come to the U.S. to pursue psychiatry residency. And then I I started my journey on all the uh, steps involved in Mm. that. I gave my U.S. family exams and then gave step three, did observerships and externships, and then applied. And thankfully, uh, I matched into a great program in my first attempt. So I'm blessed to be here, and uh, I'm already two years into my residency, and it's been a great experience so far. So, so I, yeah, like uh, as an IMG, you know, it's been a unique experience, which uh, I feel uh, I was not completely prepared for. Um, psychiatry as a field, and now we are a limited number of providers, and uh, finding uh, people who have had sim- a similar career trajectory also is very difficult, I feel. Um, so when I was like applying, for example, uh, I asked around uh, for pe- two people who I knew who, uh, to guide me in terms of like what I need to do to prepare a good profile to apply. And uh, most people were very vague about what's needed to uh, apply to psychiatry. People were like, you need to show a genuine interest in the field. Uh, you need to have some research experience, have more than one year of clinical experience in the United States. And I didn't know how to get get any of that. So <laughs> I reached out to a lot of people and then thankfully some of my alumni were super helpful in taking me on as an observer and get me the experience. But it's just it was a confusing path to get here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just knew that I need to needed to do a little well on the exam. And uh, thankfully, you know, I had one fellow international medical graduate who is a friend from med school who who graduated from uh, uh, a med school uh, near mine, Uh, she actually guided me through the entire process and it was really helpful to have her guide me in that. And ever since I entered residency, I think it's been a great experience. Um, It did have its learning curve Mm -hmm. because the practice of medicine back in India is more 
doctor focused rather than patient focused so you really are dealing with a large number of patients i guess maybe that's one of the reasons you're dealing with almost 80 to 100 patients in a day depending on where you're working wow and uh, because of that uh, you hardly have time to give your patients a lot of time when you're in the clinic um so you know just learning to give your patients a lot more time empath- empathize with them um and most importantly working on a computer that's something that we never had to do back in india it was just a piece of paper where i would write down the name of the medication mm-hmm. and that was my documentation <laughs> so the learning curve of learning uh, our emr system took was the toughest challenge for me to be honest like the other stuff i got used to um, but the emr in itself was a tough learning curve i bet and also coming like like the uh, like the accent was something people uh, my accent was something people did have a little bit of trouble understanding so being mm-hmm. able to pronounce certain words correctly and the other element was also learning about the american culture so then people told me about martin luther king day for example or president day i had no idea what those days were for like sure. i knew about martin luther king day but i didn't know much about president day or some of the other holidays So just being able to learn more about those things was very interesting. And yeah. my program is based in the South Bronx. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, very underserved population. Lots of substance use, lots of homelessness, lots of unemployment. In fact, primarily that's the population we are treating. So just learning about different life experiences that the population has had and how that has affected their mental health illness, their... uh substance use their overall life um that's something which we were not used to back in india uh so all of it together it's been a great learning experience and i also feel like on the contrary like with the changing demographic that's happening in the us um there is great scope uh for increasing the cultural competency of our workforce because obviously uh, the demography is changing there's a lot more influx of asian population hispanic population and uh, we need uh, we as a psychiatric workforce need to be more uh, aware of the cultures of each area and be able to provide the best care possible absolutely yeah yeah well congratulations on even you know making it here i know it's it's exponentially more difficult for imgs to secure residency um and i can't imagine having to you know not just move to a different country and practice medicine in a completely different way but having to learn all of the ins and outs of you know all of the details and the nuances of what it means to be a physician here versus in you know in a different um place in the world and so um yeah i you know there's so much that you kind of touched on and one thing that i think would be really interesting to ask you about is how do you think that programs can really better support their IMGs and you know I think once you start training everybody is presumably in the same boat where you know it doesn't really matter if you where you went to medical school you're in the same training program so the expectations are very much the same but the experiences before you start training obviously are vastly different and so um do you have any suggestions in terms of how programs could better support people that are 
new to the United States and, and are just kind of having to deal with this massive influx of information that perhaps some of which they expected, but most of which they didn't. So, um, you know, what are your thoughts about how programs can better support IMGs? Yeah, so uh, something that I did feel uh, kind of lost on, as I mentioned, is just the application process for psychiatry. Mm-hmm. Um, like my internal medical uh, medicine colleagues who were applying in uh, internal medicine were a little more clear in terms of what they uh, felt would be needed to get into residency. But mm-hmm. just if there was, there was, if if the programs or say ADPERT or even APA uh, came out with some of the criteria that some programs may consider while looking at applications, um, that would surely be helpful. Like I know now that the, like some programs look at um, the interest in psychiatry, for example, or um, they look at uh, your personality. Like a bunch, uh, a lot of it is dependent on how you do in your interview because. As a psychiatrist, you should have the personality of a psychiatrist who's able to empathize with the patient population, who's able to uh, catch subtle affective changes or certain inflections in speech uh, in order to interpret them and diagnose uh, certain illnesses. Um, I know those things would be important, but it's just something that, you know, if if the applicant population had more access to, mm-hmm. uh, they would be more aware of it. Of course, you know, there's no straight cut formula to getting into residency and every program has its own set of uh, uh, categorization of criteria to meet uh, mm-hmm. for the applicants. But just that element would be super helpful. I feel uh, definitely that would be helpful. And uh, I feel that my program per se, since it's a uh, uh, program which is largely uh, filled by IMGs. Mm-hmm. They've done a great job in orienting us, and it, I, uh, in terms of like they know that most IMGs are coming from countries where there's no EMR, so they give us a very intensive uh, orientation into the EMR to make it more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everyone is a native English speaker, so uh, you get taught. You get at least some examples of some experiences where you uh, are able to uh, be a little more fluent in terms of the American uh, way of speaking or certain terminology which is unique to the area mm-hmm. because uh, uh, every place has its own vocabulary and uh, terms that they use. So they give us some uh, experience, like the commonly used uh, slangs or the terminology which is used they do give us a list of that too uh nice become more aware yeah um and other than that i think uh just having someone who can guide you along the process with like mm-hmm. who's available like i remember in our first month of residency me and my co-resident who's from Colombia, um uh, both of us in in our offices in the first week just looking at each other sadly and <laughs> how are we going to finish on our six notes in six hours and oh gosh which, yeah <laughs> so, and because each note for us was taking an hour and a half and we weren't sure whether we were taking the right thing mm-hmm. and doing the right things but then our attending came in our chief president came in sat us sat with us very patiently for almost 
two hours and took us through each kind of note mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and really helped us uh, really get attuned to uh, the process and now that we can finish like our entire work in maybe one sixth of the time nice um so yeah i feel our program that way has done a great job and i think any program who does have imgs mm-hmm. uh or people who are coming from outside who are not very familiar with the system mm-hmm. uh definitely you know just get uh getting people uh to understand the culture of the lo- locality like i'm sure Uruj, where uh, where you are, the the general population you're working with, or even the um, the term, the way people are speaking is different from what maybe I'm experiencing in the South Bronx. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, just being aware of all of that um, and ensuring that that element is touched on uh, during orientation. But at the end of the day, we have patient care, and knowing our patients is important. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. There are a lot of um, nuances that are very different depending on what part of the country you're in. And even if you're in a certain you know locality, just based on the neighborhood and based on the demographics of the population, the patient care becomes very different and the culture of care becomes very different too. So, um, so yeah, I think those are really important um, details that are often just kind of overlooked, um, particularly when it comes to IMGs. And, um, you know, I know that you've You've uh, been kind of an advocate for international medical graduates um, through the American Psychiatric Association, and I'm just wondering if you're aware of any kind of um, interventions or protocols that are being created to address some of these needs. Yeah, so uh, uh, we are, uh, like me and uh, one, of, um, uh, one of my friends, and a couple of uh, professors from Temple and Emory. We actually presented a workshop at the Adbert conference last year, just before COVID kicked in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, I think, the last conference that happened in psychiatry in person. Um, and we presented a workshop on the on the impact of uh, recruitment trends of international medical graduates in psychiatry mm-hmm. and how that that may impact future uh, physician recruitment trends all, uh, across the country and it received a pretty decent uh, uh, response I think mm-hmm. uh, we uh, the participants who were there in the workshop uh, really did come up with some great points on how they're trying to ensure that uh, the recruitment of the workforce um, that they're having and their program reflects the population that they're serving because a lot of like a lot of stu- a couple of studies have actually found that most uh, residents do continue to stay on in the geographic area where they do residency from, mm-hmm. and it's not residency definitely where they do fellowship from. And here and th- of course there are variations. Uh, people do go into different fields, uh, different areas of the country, but that's mainly where uh, they continue to stay. And also, like, you know, uh, United States as a country, there is cultural diversity for sure, but the cultural diversity is also uh, kind of restricted to the coast or uh, to, to particular geographic, geographic zones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, uh, the, there's a, the, the Middle Atlantic zone where I'm based, which is basically like New York, 
uh, New England, uh, I think North and South Carolina as well. Uh, this area essentially uh, has a very culturally diverse population. And if you look at the, the diversity amongst residents, uh, New York, in fact, has the, uh, if you consider IMG to be one of the factors of diversity, um, and New York actually has the highest number of IMGs in the country. However, one trend that we did find uh, looking at the APA resident census, which has data from the matching from across uh, different sources like NRFP and uh, AMC and all over, uh, they, they found that the proportion of international medical graduates from matching into psychiatry has been decreasing at a steady rate uh, over the last five years. Now, again, there has been major influx of immigrant population uh, across the last 30 to 40 years. Um, and that is affecting the demography of the country. Now, whether that affects uh, culturally competent care may or may not be true. Like I know from personally, if like for example, if I, if I were to bring my parents here, Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, if they did develop some uh, condition where they need psychiatric help, they would want to go to someone from South Asia rather than uh, mm-hmm. someone who's uh, born and brought, uh, who is probably uh, like of white ethnicity, mm-hmm. because they just feel more comfortable talking to someone from South Asia. So those are like like things that might exist for certain patient populations. So just being, um, uh, having a culturally diverse workforce, I feel is very important. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, at the end of the day, um, the patient population is so rich in terms of where the different demographic groups, the different socioeconomic statuses, the cultural you know competency even within the realm of populations that are providers and what we do as clinicians, if we don't reflect that in some way or we don't tap into that um, cultural um, um, ability to really connect with people on that level and and don't use our resources. And I think having IMGs or having um, even trainees that are diverse of different races, of different faiths, of of different backgrounds, if we don't tap into those resources, then we're going to lose the ability to really connect effectively with our patients so I'm glad that that is something that um that uh that you guys are looking into and I'm curious to see what the trends will show in the coming years especially since the pandemic um when it comes to IMGs going into psychiatry and and coming to the United States for training you know in general um so it'll be interesting interesting to see how cultural competency the the definition of that changes as time progresses Absolutely. And, you know, like um, a lot of the immigrant population who come to the United States, they are probably right now either first generation or second generation. Mm -hmm. So first generation and second generation immigrant people, uh, people who were children in the 90s are now adults and they are going to have their own cultural beliefs based on the, the country of origin plus America. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. I feel like uh, all programs should definitely uh, include like a cultural competency module 
in their uh, curriculum uh, based on based on the demographics of the population that they're working with you know just te- te- teaching people about some of the common cultural beliefs in say colombia some of the cultural beliefs in india some of the cultural beliefs in pakistan mm-hmm. uh, some of the cultural beliefs in europe any of the countries in europe so where where most of the population uh, coming to the hotel are from so that like for example i was uh, observing in one of the hospitals and there was a hispanic patient who told me it feels like the moon is pulling me towards it that mm-hmm. is why i'm falling to the ground every time and in my head i thought this is a delusion but later when i read up on it apparently it is a cultural belief mm-hmm. from her con- country of origin that this does happen in times of the full moon so now whether that is a delusion or whether that is just a common cultural belief is are the differences that we need to be able to realize but until the time i learned about it i thought it was a delusion so right. just being aware and at least encouraging people to think down those lines asking the question is this something that they believe in their culture mhm mhm and is it like very common in their culture yeah yeah so and it, it, it's i think there's there's definitely yeah, more right. awareness of that um and i've noticed that that the cultural piece when it comes to patient care is integrated more more and more in our lectures and our in um the infrastructure of our grand rounds just on a national level uh but it's so complex right there's so many nuances to culture and there are also like language barriers and then there are differences among certain uh you know families even even if they're from the same locale and location and so it's really complex and i think there definitely needs to be more there there needs to be more of an evaluation and more digging into how we can serve some of these patients to discern whether or not we're treating something that's actually a psychiatric illness versus yeah. versus managing a belief that could be detrimenting somebody um you know on a on a mental health level which in it should be presumably easier to treat but sometimes it's not because yeah. those beliefs can be much more concrete um you know than yeah. than an actual uh, organic illness so um so yeah it's really fascinating and and I'm glad that that it's being looked into more um you know through through the APA and certainly uh within training programs thank you so much for having this conversation with me i appreciate learning about this and i think there's so many things we can certainly learn from our trainees who are international medical graduates and just having more conversations about their needs and also the fact that you're able to learn so much in such a short amount of time like that that ability can really be beneficial to training programs and also to to patient care and so figuring out a way to tap into that i think will be will be a good thing in the future definitely Today I had a conversation with Dr. Shaparno Mitra, a PGY2 in psychiatry in the Bronx in New York City, about what training programs can do to better support international medical graduates as they transition to working in the United States. This topic covers the concept of diversity and inclusion, one of the four areas of focus within my APA campaign. To learn more, please visit www.arujasthaniforapa.com.